Welcome to the Bean Ninjas podcast, where you get an all-access pass to see what happens behind the closed doors of a fast-growing global bookkeeping and financial reporting business. Welcome back, everyone, to the Bean Ninjas podcast. I'm Elizabeth Powers. This week, I'm joined once again by my co-host, Meryl Johnston. She is the co-founder and CEO of Bean Ninjas. And this week is a part two. So if you didn't listen to last week's episode yet, you definitely want to go back to last week's episode. Listen to that one first. It is part one of startup accounting, the advice no one else is giving startup companies and entrepreneurs. So this is a really good uh, part two. Last week we started off and we only made it halfway through the topics that we wanted to cover. So we decided to go into a second week and that's what you'll hear now is part two. At the end of this episode, all of our Bean Ninjas super fans, community members that send in all of your questions, we got to as many of those questions as we could on this episode. And those are covered, covered at the end of this episode. So let's not waste any time. We'll get right into the episode now with Meryl Johnston. a little bit because you mentioned um, an accountant and a bookkeeper, and this may be very 101 for some people, but I know there are plenty of people who, like me, don't necessarily know the difference between an accountant and a bookkeeper. So tell me what the difference is and when a startup needs either one. It's quite interesting. There's a lot of gray area around where the boundary ends between a bookkeeper and where it starts and what the accountant does. And a lot of bookkeepers are actually accountants these days. Mm. In in Ninjas, we hire accountants to do bookkeeping work. But I'll give you my definition. A bookkeeper is responsible for the day-to-day transactions okay. and recording those accurately in the accounting software, whereas the accountant, and there's two different kinds of accountants. There's the tax accountant and the virtual CFO. The tax accountant is a specialist in tax law, and that's who you would, when you're first starting your business, you'd go and see the tax accountant, and they would help you with choosing the right entity structure to use. So whether that's a company or, say, an LLC in the US, they will help with the right structure for your situation. And then they will also prepare income tax returns or file your income tax and help with tax planning. So their expertise is tax law. A virtual CFO, they also use – they're an accountant, but a different kind of accounting. They don't specialise in taxes. They use accounting information to help you make strategic business, business decisions. And so they would help with things like a cash flow forecast, which is predicting future cash inflows and outflows. They would help with setting a budget, which is what you track your profit performance against. And they can also dig into numbers within things like your profit and loss and help with particular, identify things like particular product lines that are more profitable and areas to focus on in the business. So their, their skill set is quite different to a tax accountant. Some accountants can do both, but often they are different skill sets. Very different. And, I'm so glad I asked. Yeah. That's, that's, that's three things. I was thinking there were just two. That's really three very distinct um, positions there. I'm sorry, were you going to say one more thing? I was just going to talk about the, that gray area bet- between the interaction with all of these and bookkeepers who are keeping really clean accounts and recording those transactions accurately. 
some of those bookkeepers can actually provide some kind of management accounting advice as well in terms of looking at a profit and loss and identifying that software costs have spiked up this month and investigate why. And they will, they will also usually work with the tax accountant to prepare the end of finance, some kind of end of financial year pack. And I think it's really important if you do have these three different roles to have them interacting well together. And also, you're probably not going to hire all of them at once. I, I believe there's a particular order that you should hire these three different skill sets. Yes. Okay. That was going to be my next question is clearly it sounds like at some point a startup company is going to need all three of them, but which comes first? Because it sounds to me like maybe the strategic sort of virtual CFO is going to be most important as far as helping you strategize about what you need to do on the financial end to continue to scale and grow. But then again, a bookkeeper is going to be that daily sort of checks and balance to make sure that you're not you know, sort of going rogue and spending or committing to to more things than you're going to be able to afford. So which comes first? I would say the tax accountant comes first. When a business first starts, they don't have a big budget and they have to pay their taxes and they want to be in the right company structure and or, or entity structure. And I would say usually the tax accountant comes first. And at that point, there might not be a lot of transactions and the business owner is probably doing some of their own bookkeeping. Then it gets to the point where business owner really needs to delegate that task. They've, they've got too many other higher value things to do and that's when the bookkeeper would get involved. But I think the bookkeeper needs to come before the virtual CFO because the virtual CFO wants to provide strategic advice, but to do that they need good data and you don't want to pay the virtual CFO rates are much higher than a bookkeeper rate and you don't want to pay them to clean up the data to then provide the advice. And that's where I'd see, say, next you would have the bookkeeper and they would be taking care of recording those transactions accurately. And once all of those systems are working well, that's when the virtual CFO would come in. Now, having worked with lots of startups, I know what every entrepreneur and startup founding team is thinking right now as they're listening to this podcast. Can I hire one person that can do all of it? I'd say that would be very unlikely. Okay. It's being a there, – there may be some lone wolves that are that are out there doing this and, and they'll offer all of those services. But someone that is good at the strategic advice is probably not going to want to be doing bookkeeping processing. There's an element of data entry and repetition with bookkeeping. Mm-hmm. And if you've got someone that's really good at strategic advice, I'd question whether they would be willing to do that kind of work. And then tax law changes all of the time. And it's a it's a full-time job trying to stay on top. I'm glad I'm not a tax accountant. <laughs> it, there's a lot of work involved in staying up to date with all of those changes and really understanding the nuances of tax law. And while some tax accountants can also do virtual CFO type work, but I'd say it'd be pretty unlikely that you'd find one person that could do all three. Some businesses will offer all of those services under the one roof, but it would be different people offering those services. Okay. I had a feeling that was going to be the answer, but I figured I would ask because I know that <laughs> when you're a startup and you're lean and your income is lean, your revenue is lean, you definitely want to try and find those jack of all trades hires. But since that's not probably going to be likely. 
it's time for, I'm, I'm an entrepreneur. I've started my company. I need my tax accountant. Where do I find them? How do I know they're good? How do I find the right person for my, does it matter what, what my, what industry or vertical I'm in? I think it, for the virtual CFO and the bookkeeper, having someone with industry experience is more important. With the tax accountant, it's less important unless there's specific tax law that relates to the industry that you're in. I would start by asking friends that run similar kinds of businesses to you whether they would recommend the accountant that they work with or if they know of anyone. I think referrals are the best way to to find someone. And I think it's assumed that your tax accountant will have good knowledge and be able to do accurate accurate work. But you want to find someone that is a good communicator too <clears throat> and that they're also an educator. So they're not just doing your tax return, but they're actually explaining some of the concepts and educating you about the process too. And I think partly that comes back to their attitude and then also it comes back to their communication style. Then are they able to communicate some of these complex accounting terms and concepts in a way <clears throat> that makes sense to you. And are do you have any um, tips or tricks, um, sort of inside information for startup founders that are interviewing tax accountants to see who they're going to work with? Is there you know two or three questions that you think they should definitely ask so they can find out if this person is a good fit for them? I think they should ask what they can expect what it's like working with the accountant and how often that so I'd ask more about the communication so what can they expect in terms of communication is it going to be phone calls are they expected to come in and meet face to face is it going to be emails if it is email what kind of response times can they expect because what can often happen when accountants are growing their business is all of it they over the years they start to get very busy and this is a common complaint that all of a sudden someone that someone loved their accountant but then they got busy and they're just a small client and they get pushed to the bottom of the pile and mm. it can take two weeks for them to hear back and I'd actually try and understand are you, are you going to be a key client for that accountant or are you a tiny client where do you where do, I mean it's right. you can't ask, sorry, ask that directly but you want to get a sense of that because if you're a tiny client then you might not be looked after in the way that you're wanting I'd also mm. ask who's actually doing the work because the person that you're having the initial conversation with may have a team and their team may have a very different communication style to the person that you're dealing with and also a very different experience level. And if if they do have a team, I'd, I'd want to understand who my point of contact was going to be and what level of experience they have and, and even try and meet them or have a – well, when I say meet up online is fine, but have some kind of phone call as well with the person that you're mainly going to be dealing with. That's quite common as well in accounting firms that you're dealing with someone different to the person that you initially work with. And does it matter because obviously Bean Ninjas is a 100% remote company. Does it matter how close your accountant is to your, I mean, obviously you want someone that understands your country's um, tax laws and things like that. Um, outside of just being able to pick up the phone and reach them on the same uh, time frame, you know, the same time zone, does it matter how near or far the person is? I mean, are we are we still doing that thing where we're like passing out receipts? You know, we're handing over files of receipts. <laughs> well, how does this work? I hope there's no paper transfer. <laughs> Everything should be able to do, should be done online, including signatures. 
Uh, I, I think it, it depends. So if you are someone that really values face-to-face contact and you want to actually go and sit in your accountant's office, then you may need to find a local accountant. I'm finding all the, the clients that we work with, that's not one of their, their top priorities. They're the things that they are, are wanting or rating or ranking more importantly than that uh, expertise in understanding their type of business and then communication and the quality of the work. But what someone wants in an accountant will vary for different people. So if it is important to you, then I think you could find a local accountant. But otherwise, your options are much wider if you're happy to work with someone that you don't need to go and, and sit in their office. How important is it that I work with a tax accountant that has worked with lots and lots of startups? Does it matter or does it not really matter because it's all kind of the same on their end? I think it helps. I think it helps the, just the, the language, the communication style, even the accountant understanding you and the journey that you're going through. I think it, it definitely does help. I'd say with with tax law, it's probably less important, but I think it helps if they understand you and, and your industry and business and or say you're in e-commerce, they'll, under, they'll have a bit of an understanding of, say, something like Shopify and where to get particular information. Whereas if it's if they've never worked with an e-commerce business before, then there might be some learning that you're you're paying for that learning if they don't have any other clients that they do this, this same thing for. So we've got our tax accountant in place and we're doing all of the right things that we need to do. Who do we hire next? Then I would say the bookkeeper. Okay. And the, the reason for that is as the business grows, really you don't want to be, be spending time doing your own bookkeeping. You'd gradually be delegating out a range of different roles and bookkeeping is one of those, those roles that can be delegated quite early. And again, I'm going to ask uh, questions about hiring, sourcing. Where do I go to find this person? If if we're talking about a company that wants to be similar to Be Ninjas and have a completely remote workforce, is, is sourcing a remote bookkeeper different than hiring one that's going to come into the office and sit down the hallway from me every day? I think it is different. Again, the talent pool has opened up. Mm-hmm. If you don't need someone that's going to come and sit next to you, then there's a lot more options out there. And I think with a bookkeeper, it does become a lot more important that they are familiar with your industry. Bookkeeping is process-driven, and the industry that you're in will dictate that. So a service business will have a very different way of their customers paying, and that would be through quotes and invoicing, than someone that has an e-commerce store and is selling on something like Shopify or Amazon. And the bookkeeper is in the detail, so they need to have a really good grasp of these different elements like the invoicing or, or linking something like Shopify to zero. And so I think it's important to ask the bookkeeper if they've had previous experience. And again, ask your friends in the industry who they recommend, who they're working with, what they have liked or what they haven't liked and the challenges they've had with working with their bookkeeper. And then I think you can also make a decision around whether you want to work with a bookkeeping business or whether you want to hire an individual contractor. And there's pros and cons of both of those. So the bookkeeper is the one where we really want to hire someone that's got some experience in our industry. And the tax accountant 
it helps if they've worked with a startup before, but they're a little bit removed from the specifics of my exact type of business. Is that right? That's right. When the information comes to the tax accountant, they already get presented with a profit and loss and balance sheet, and then they just really need to go and make the tax adjustments, anything that, that is outside of that, and prepare the tax return. That makes so much sense. I'm so glad we covered this because I feel really smart now. <laughs> I'm going to go to a happy hour and talk about accounting versus bookkeeping and know what I'm talking about now. <laughs> no, but seriously, we we knew this was going to be a big topic for us. That's why we wanted to make sure that we covered, um, we spent two episodes to, to cover as much detail as we could. We also opened up the opportunity to our Be Ninjas super fans community to submit some questions. So I have some of their questions. If that's okay with you, I'm going to ask you some of those. I pulled out just a few of them. I won't be able to get to all of them because we're short on time. Uh, but I want to make sure that I get to some of the ones that were the most common questions asked. So are you ready to be on the hot seat, Meryl? Yeah, let's do it. <laughs> all right. Our first question is, I would be interested in the benefits of doing your own accounts Versus handing a shoebox of it. There's that shoebox of invoices. See, this person thinks like me. We're still handing over files of, <laughs> of paper receipts. Um, doing your own accounting versus a shoebox of invoices to an accountant. For example, if you keep track yourself, are there reporting benefits throughout the year? That's a great question. And I would, yes, definitely yes. If you're taking a shoebox to the accountant once a year <laughs> and they're probably not doing it or preparing your account straight after the end of financial year because everyone wants their accounts done then. Right. You, you really don't have a lot of oversight over how your business was performing throughout the year. And there's two main reasons that we prepare accounts and tax is only one of them. And the other reason, and, and this is something that you should want to do, tax we're forced to do, but you want to know how your business is performing and you want to track your profitability and know your profit every month. Yes. So my... That's a, a longer answer, but the short answer is yes, definitely you would want to be preparing accounts every month. And, and whether that's you or whether that's a bookkeeper that you hire, as long as there's someone doing it and definitely not the shoebox once a year to the accountant. <laughs> yes, we're, we're doing away with the boxes of receipts now. We are going digital people. <laughs> <laughs> okay, our next question uh, is, as a one-woman show, I'm always interested in automation. Would love to hear thoughts about apps that make small business accounting easier, like with working with receipt management, etc. The first tool I'd talk about is Xero. That would, if, if you're picking one accounting tool, then it's the cloud accounting software which connects with bank accounts. But for receipt management, there's a couple of different options out there. HubDoc is a great one, and that pulls receipts from different suppliers into one portal. So if you have a telephone bill or mobile phone bill, it, instead of you needing to save that receipt and send it somewhere, it just it just fetches it from the other system mm -hmm. and then saves it in a portal. There's another tool called Receipt Bank, which, again, is great for receipt management. You can just snap a photo on your phone and upload it. And the reason that that has an advantage over something like Dropbox or Google Drive is that there's an integration between both Receipt Bank and HubDoc and Xero and other accounting software out there. 
which can, as you move to things like accrual accounting, it can really save you a lot of time because the these tools can actually read the information on the receipt, including the date, description, amount, and tax, and actually pull that information from the receipt and prepare a bill in the accounting software. So that can save you a lot of time down the track when you are doing accrual accounting. In the short term, though, I think it is fine to use Dropbox or even Zero File Manager and just make sure that you're taking photographs if they're physical receipts and just getting really good habits around that and make sure that they're all saved in one central location. And if they're in email, again, you can forward it into Dropbox or or something like Receipt Bank just so that all receipts are in the cloud and in one place so that they're very easy to find if you were ever unlucky enough to get a tax audit. Ooh, yes, those are bad words. <laughs> we don't want to think about that. But yeah, you're right. Having those apps in place and, and putting everything where it needs to go is definitely the best way. Our next question is, should I be offering terms on my invoices? What are the risks and benefits of doing that? I think that comes back to the market that you're operating in. I Ideally, when I'm running a business, I prefer to get paid upfront or in installments and for ongoing work on a recurring direct debit so that there's no risk of not getting paid. The The earlier you can receive the cash in the bank, the better. But I do understand that in some industries, it's not it's, it's possible to do that. It's not the norm and it's expected that you will issue credit terms. But I also challenge you that if you're the best at what you do and you let someone know that these are your payment terms. If they really want to work with you, then they will find a way to meet those payment terms. If you if you really have to offer credit, then I definitely wouldn't offer the whole payment on, on credit terms and at least try and get some kind of installment or multiple installments up front. Absolutely. Okay, we have two more questions. A second to last question is, what does my P&L show, I'm sorry, why does my P&L show a profit, but I don't have any money? Yes, <laughs> that's, yeah, we get this question Where's quite a lot. Where's my money? <laughs> <laughs> there's, there's actually a range of different reasons that this could be the case. One could be that you've, we were just talking about credit terms, that you've sent a big invoice off. You've just sent a $10,000 invoice off to a customer this month multiple customers, but they haven't actually paid you. So your profit and loss or income statement is showing that you've earned that money, but the money is not in your bank account. And that's a, this really highlights the importance of having a, a debtor's policy where you're actually following up as soon as you that, that invoice is getting near due, you're contacting the debtor to make sure that they're paying. As soon as it's overdue, you're contacting again, phoning. And I'd actually recommend having a system around that so this particular email template goes out at, when it's one day late. This particular email goes out when it's seven days late. This one goes out at 14 days and then it's a phone call with this script. I'm actually having a process around that. But I'm going off on a tangent. Back back to the main <laughs> question. Another example would be if you've purchased an asset and that would be so you've made a profit but then you've spent that money on buying any kind of asset equipment. And so the money's not in your bank account. So your bank account is showing a low balance, but your profit and loss is showing that you actually made money. So that's another example. 
And these are some little things. If you had a bookkeeper, that bookkeeper would be able to keep up with this and kind of give you that information on why there's a discrepancy, right? Exactly. You could say to them, hey, I thought I made money this month. <laughs> and then and, and then they could explain, well, you did, you invoiced a lot, but you haven't actually collected it or that they could ex- explain why. Right. Awesome. Okay. Our very last question is, how often should I be reconciling bank accounts? As often as possible. Again, this also comes down to what is practical. In my business, we do daily reconciliations. I like to know that if we have someone that did owe us money and it's late, then I want us to be on top of that and following up every day. Whereas in some businesses, it's not really practical to do the day. It costs, the, the more frequently you do it, the more it costs. So daily reconciliations may not be possible, but at, at least monthly, for, for tiny businesses, monthly is fine. But if you can do it weekly, then I think that helps with habits too. If it's a set day of the week that you do the reconciliations, there's time blocked out in a calendar for you or your bookkeeper or your team member. I think that really helps too. So the more often, the better, because that's what the the more frequently you're doing it, the more often you have up-to-date accounts. Really good information. And we have a few more questions that we didn't get to this time. Um, what we may do, Meryl, at some point, maybe we could do some sort of like Twitter takeover and let you kind of hit the Bean Ninjas Twitter and, and answer questions that we didn't get to yet. But that is also a great place for anyone that has questions as you've, as you've been listening to the episodes. You have some questions that you'd like to send to Meryl. You're free to tweet those at Bean Ninjas. And we will definitely address those on the podcast or um, possibly in, in some other formats in the future. So that's all we have time for today. Thank you again, Meryl. Another really fascinating topic. I'm glad we spent two whole episodes on it. I always like to ask you at the very end, any sort of last minute tips or information that you want to share before we close out the episode? It would be don't don't just leave your accounting. We, I think... I understand when a business is starting out that sales is the most important thing, but don't neglect your accounting. Get on top of it early. I think it'll save you a lot of stress. The, the business owners that I work with that have left their accounting for a year, it's been playing on their mind all of that time and I think created a, an extra level of stress that they didn't need. And so I'd recommend just putting some kind of system in place to reduce that that stress and to give you some peace of mind over the profitability of your business. Absolutely. And as my mom always says, it's better to be safe than sorry. You don't want to get to the end of that year of stress and and realize, I am so sorry I didn't do this sooner. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you so much, Meryl. I look forward to talking to you again next week. Looking forward to it. Really big thank you to the Bean Ninjas Superfans community. You sent a lot of great questions this week. We had a lot of fun going over them. Continue to submit your questions and things you would like us to talk about on each episode via Twitter at Bean Ninjas. And come back again next week where I am joined by Wayne Richard. He's the head of U.S. operations at Bean Ninjas, and he recently launched the U.S. office. We're going to talk to him to get an update on how that's going and learn a little bit about his experience, get some advice and tips from him on launching internationally. 
And don't forget also to visit the Bean Ninjas blog at beanninjas.com forward slash blog and check out the show notes for links to relevant information that we discussed during this episode. Thanks again, everyone, for joining us. This is the Bean Ninjas podcast.